Hi everyone and welcome to Making Miracles Charities podcast, Baby Loss, Grief and Love. We're the first UK baby loss charity to start a podcast. We're relatable, professional and knowledgeable. Our team is here to aim to support you and the whole family through trauma and baby loss. We have a range of people on our podcast such as healthcare professionals, counsellors, families with lived in experience and much, much more. To take part, please contact me, Kelly at makingmiracles.org.uk. Thank you. Hi everyone and welcome to a brand new season. Um, I am today very lucky to be joined by Katie, so welcome Katie. Thank you. Katie's wanted to come on the podcast for a little while, haven't we? Yes. Um, We've just got around to doing it after you've had a bit of time out, a bit of time away in Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How was it? It was amazing. Um, Being outside in the nature was so healing and so therapeutic. Um, So yeah, it was really good. Good. Well, we're really glad that you've gone finally yeah <laughs> um so katie's a service user who's been through making miracles counseling she's also attended our support groups and has memorials up at our baby memorial garden and you've also done some quite big fundraisers for us throughout blore and throughout your time yes. knowing us yeah so last year um i work in a nursery so we've done a, a big fundraising week where we raised money and then at the end of it we did a starlight walk which was beautiful the families came the parents come we had friends come it was a really good turnout and I think over the week we made over two thousand pounds yeah um so yeah it was a really nice week and it was um baby loss awareness week whilst I was in Canada and I kind of felt that little bit of guilt that I wasn't as involved this year but um you know there's always there's many years to come there is and you don't need to do something every single year but we are so grateful for that support you know and people who know the service and understand what it can provide who then want to go on and fundraise for us it's just so great for us um you know it's it's an advocate for the work that we do and for you to want to pay that back in as such is really lovely so we're so so grateful because we now know that that money will help support more people like you yeah Mm -hmm. so um today we're going to talk about obviously loss yeah but also about relationships around loss Mm -hmm. And we were having a little chat just before we came on and what we were discussing was that whilst it's absolutely, you know, fantastic that some couples manage to come closer and be more together after facing a loss, that there is also that um, that flip side and sometimes it can destroy a relationship. Yeah. And I think it's really brave of you to come on to want to address that because not everyone wants to talk about that side of things yeah. because it's not nice on top of what you're already going through yeah. to then have to deal with the breakdown and the grief of losing yeah. that it's relationship. A lot of grief. A yeah. Lot of grief. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really grateful that you want to talk about this, Katie. So do you want to start by just going through your story really and yeah. what happened? Um, so in October 2021, um, we found out we were pregnant um, on one of those really annoying people who did get pregnant quite quick, um, which... I wasn't expecting because I do have PCOS. So, um, yeah, that happened really quickly. And then on our 12 week scan, we had, you know, that test where they test the fluid on the back of the neck mm-hmm. and it was slightly raised. Um, and they didn't seem too concerned. They didn't want us to have any more testing. They just said that there, there could be something. It could resolve itself. Uh, they also said it could be something with her heart. So we had a heart scan booked just before her anatomy scan. 
um, which we went to. We kind of prepared ourselves that maybe she might have Down syndrome. That was a bit of a big conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of prepared for that, which, you know, at first was a bit of a shock. And then you just, you kind of then realise, actually, it's really not that big of a deal. Like, that's our baby. We're going to love her no matter what. So that was an option that she could have Down syndrome. So we went to this 20-week scan. I was quite naive, I think, which is weird because for the whole time of my pregnancy, I was very anxious. I always had that gut feeling that something was wrong. Like before we had our gender scan, I remember just sat on the bed, like kind of rubbing the little bump that I had at the time because I really felt like that was going to be the last time. I'm not quite sure. Maybe if it was just anxiety or maybe I did have that. Are you usually an anxious person? Um, I can be. I'm quite health anxiety. I tend to diagnose myself with brain tumours and, right. and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm not Bit sure. Bit of an overthinker. Yeah. And then I think because of everything that happened, it's just kind of made me really more anxious in the fact yeah. that my intuition was right about that. So now my intuition has to be right about everything else. So, so we went to her heart scan, which was... She was around 21 weeks um, and was very naive. We were kind of walking around the hospital trying to get her to move because she was in that awkward position. She always was. She was very stubborn. Um, so and then we went back after a little walk around the hospital and she asked if I'd lost any fluid, which, you know, I, this is my first pregnancy, so I didn't even think anything of it. I, it was all very much like, oh, this is just like a standard question that they ask. Um, and then she got a consultant to come in, which again, I just thought it was because she was in an awkward position. They couldn't quite see what they wanted to see. Um, and then they asked us to wait for a bit and then we come back in and they said, Oh, because you're due your 20 week scan, we're just going to do an anatomy scan at the same time. And it was then more people started to come in and I started to get that feeling. Um, I think at one point there was like 10 people in there and, um he said that her heart was shifted to the side a bit and we weren't really sure what that meant at the time so then they got the other consultant to come in and he kind of explained everything to us and said that she had a diaphragmatic hernia which is when there's a hole in the diaphragm and so her organs start growing up through that hole into her chest where the heart grows and the lungs grow so her heart was being shifted to the side and one of her lungs was basically non-existent and the other one was very small. Mm-hmm. And the weirdest thing is, is that a couple of days before I watched an episode of One Born Every Minute where a baby had this condition and he didn't make it. They decided to go through full term. So I kind of knew what he was going to say. Mm-hmm. And I ended up finishing his sentences. And he was like, you know, it's not the hole in the hernia that's the issue. And I was like, it's the, her lungs. And he was like, yeah. Um, and it was on the right side as well. So the diaphragmatic hernia that comes in all shapes and sizes and some children have it and it can be fixed and they live very healthy lives with no no other issues. Um, Because it was on the right side, that is where, was it spleen or pancreas? I can't remember. It's quite a big organ, so that grows up and it makes it more severe because there's less room. So, yeah, she was diagnosed with with that and... He kind of spoke to us and said that it is a case of deciding whether we want to continue and see how she goes or if we end the pregnancy early. 
So when we were put in the quiet room, I said to Brett straight away that I just didn't want her in pain. Um, we were given the options and everything, and then we went home. We were given the weekend to kind of think about it. And I remember going home and just saying to Brett, like, how are we even meant to make this decision when I can literally still feel her kicking and moving inside me? Mm. Um, so that was a really rough time kind of having to come to terms with it. But we were both on the same page, which was good because I was a bit worried that he would want to kind of continue. But no, we were on the same page with that. Um, so we then went back and spoke to them. We had the team from like the NICU team and we also had the bereavement midwife there just because they weren't sure what direction we were going to take. Um, and then we told them and they booked us in to have the, I think it's called feticide, which is a horrible term for it. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, and that's always the part I kind of gloss over because that, that was the most traumatic part. And that took place on the 22nd of February, which is the date that we really go by, mainly because just there's lots of twos. It was just a really special date, like 22nd of the 2nd, 22. She was 22 weeks at the time. Um, but, yeah, we went in and I don't know how I pulled myself out of bed that day because every instinct was just telling me to kind of run away and keep her safe but protective instinct yeah and just knowing what we were going to be doing on that day Mm. was just yeah not the best feeling it was awful uh we somehow made it there um and we went obviously you have to go through the maternity unit Mm. straight to the quiet area and yeah we went in and there's this lady I remember she was called Heidi I remember what she looked like and she just she was exactly what I needed at that moment she was that proper maternal you know she was rubbing my shoulders she although Brett was there there's just nothing better than that maternal figure to have um but yeah there were loads of people in the room they put a screen up and Brett said that the needle was really long and they basically put the needle through your tummy and inject her heart and it stopped straight away um and it was very uncomfortable in the sense that you knew what they were doing. You didn't want to just lie there and let them do it, but you don't really have a choice. Um, but And then they had to take, they were done an amniocesis as well. So I think it took a little bit longer because of that. Yeah, I think it was only about 10 minutes, but it felt like forever. Mm. And I remember saying, is it over yet? Because I just wanted to get out of there. But I do remember feeling once that was over a sense of relief because that was the worst part, having to go in there and do that and make that decision. That was definitely the worst part of everything. Um, So, yeah, that was the worst day. And then come the days where we had to wait to be induced. And, again, that's just a horrible experience because you're walking around your house and you know that your baby's not alive inside you and you can still kind of feel the moving, not moving physically, but you could, you know, they're in the fluid and their body is moving. So you kind of think, wait, did it work? Is it, is it, did it work or not? Um, so yeah, those days were rough and, and not very nice. And then we went in and yeah, we delivered her. My body did not want to do it. I think I was in the hospital. went in on the 23rd and she was born on the 26th because my body just didn't want to go into that naturally at all. Um, 
Didn't want to let go. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, we held her. We had family come and see her. However they wanted, I know um, Brett's mum was a bit reluctant to kind of see her, but we were happy for her to, you know, hold her with the blanket over her. However people wanted to say goodbye, we let them do what, what felt right for them. Um, my parents lost a baby boy at a similar time as well, so they kind of knew what to expect and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a good support, having them there, because they knew kind of what we were going through and... Mm-hmm. You know, my mum kind of gave some advice as in, like, I was a bit reluctant to see her at first before she was born. She was like, no, like, you know, do it in your own time, but do see her and hold her and and everything. And I'm glad she did convince me to do that. So at this point, you, how were you guys together? We were generally really good. At first, it really brought us together. Mm. Um, it was more at the point when when he went back to work and I didn't is when I think things started to become a little bit more difficult because we were grieving in different ways Um, and then I went back to work two months later and I think he he then was struggling a lot more without letting anyone know Mm. and he kind of went and found that support in other areas um and lost that trust with me so we did end up breaking up I moved back in with my parents which is just what I needed at the time I just needed someone to look after me and comfort me and you know be there for me um so yeah moving back was the best decision I made and we tried to make it work we really did we I think we were off and on for a good maybe like nine months. I think it was October when we decided to call it quits because, you know, I think too much had just happened for us Mm. to move on. Um, Too much to process. Yeah. And to regain trust as well. But, yeah, there was that whole grieving process. Obviously, you grieve for your baby and then I had to grieve for the loss of our relationship, Mm. um, the loss of the flat that we had, the cat that we had together, his family because we were quite close as well, um, and just motherhood as well, because you, you know, you're then starting at that point one again where yeah. you're not even really interested in anyone else. Yeah. Um, and your hopes of, you know, having those arms filled and being pregnant is just not in that chapter for you, yeah. which was really difficult to comprehend and move on from think as much as I grieve for Freya I think grieving for that chance of motherhood was also you know as equal as grieving for Freya it was really difficult yeah 100% I think um you kind of get put to forced to a crossroads don't you and you either say I'm going to stay in this relationship where we're clearly both not very happy Mm. for the sake of wanting to fill that void of that baby and that pregnancy and thinking if I stay, I can be pregnant next month or mm-hmm. in three, four months yes. and I get my baby, but I'm unhappy in this relationship. Yeah. You know, which ultimately would probably lead to the breakdown in that relationship anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you being a single parent mm. or co-parenting, you know, as as you would. So it's that crossroads of deciding between that or the opposite, which is try and rebuild yourself, trying to make yourself you again. Mm-hmm. 
on your own without that relationship that had broken down and that trust that was lost that was so important and grieve and almost start all over again, which is so brave, scary and brave and upsetting because you know that that void that you wanted filled so badly is going to take even longer because you do have to start all over again, don't you? You have to find yourself, be happy in you. Meet someone else, and you don't exactly meet someone else and have a baby the next day. Right. And it's, you know, so doing all that, and I can imagine how awfully difficult that decision must have been for you because it is those weighing scales of thinking yeah. what is for the best here, but ultimately you chose you. Yeah. And it I think was... that's really brave, and you should be so proud of yourself. Yeah. I've, looking back now, I, I am proud and. I do see how brave I was. You know, people tell you at the time, like, oh, you're so brave and you just think I'm just surviving Mm. because at that point it is just sort of getting on with life and accepting what's happened and, yeah, having to rebuild yourself, which was a very long process and an ongoing process that's still happening. But, yeah, but no, compared to last year, I've come a huge way. Mm. Um, Well, even you're going off travelling and stuff. Yeah. On my own. Uh, so, again, that's two, so brave. Like. Two weeks on my own. Yeah, very brave. And I kept saying to my mum, I'm so brave doing this. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no. So, yeah, I've come a really long way. And now just helping other people, I think, yeah, is what makes me kind of comforts me in a way that's like, oh, Freya didn't die for no reason. Yeah. You know, there's positives that have come out from it and you have to find those positives otherwise – it will just destroy you. And there's lessons. In everything yeah. we experience in life, whether it's good or bad, we learn a lesson at yeah. some point that helps us grow as human beings mm-hmm. and know for the future how resilient we can be, how brave we can be, how a new chapter is frightening but also quite empowering. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way that I would have gone to Canada if it hadn't been for Freya. There's no way that it mm. would have happened. Um, the bravery that she's given me, the resilience, you know, it's just nothing's that big of a deal anymore Yeah, compared to losing a baby. It's yeah. just nothing is that scary. It puts a lot of things in perspective, doesn't yeah, it? Things that you used to probably yeah. think were quite frightening now. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that's if I nothing. can get through this, yeah, yeah, if I can get through this, I can get through anything, literally. Mm. So do you and Brett still speak? or um, We occasionally exchange a few messages on, mm. like, special days. I was going to say that bond's always going to be there between you two because you're yeah. the only guys that understand mm-hmm. what that is like, and that's hard to navigate because you don't want to you don't want to bring up too much, yeah, and, and boundaries speak too much, yeah, and boundaries have to be put in place. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in a new relationship now as well, and then there comes that another thing is in like that anticipation of waiting and being like when they go on to have a baby, like mm. that in itself is you know something that's. Played on my mind a lot and something I'll probably have to, to process when it happens, but mm. I need to remind myself it's not happening right now. So just, yeah. it's fine. But just yeah. be in the moment and yeah. where you're at and focus on you. Yeah. Which you've obviously been doing and mm-hmm. it's been lovely and lovely, wonderful experiences that you'll never forget and they're going to be even more poignant later on when you probably reflect back and look back at this time that you've been through since losing her. Yeah. And um, just how far you've come. It was really important for Katie to open up today about these things, but also to, as she said, help others. So we were talking just before and you were saying 
you'd like other people to be able to come to you if they are in a position where it has broken down their relationship. And there's the thing with a breakdown of a relationship between a couple in loss is there also um, there's also some shame carried with it. Like we weren't strong enough to get through this or, you know, I feel ashamed. I don't want to admit that my relationship has broken down. A lot of people, when this happens to them, go into themselves mm. and don't talk about it. But then they're building up that that trauma they've already been through, that grieving process they're already in the middle of after losing a baby, but then losing that partner who, as I said a moment ago, shares that bond. You're the only two people that know about yeah. how that feels to lose that baby. And a lot of people don't talk about this. And that's why I was so, you know, happy and grateful for Katie to come on and talk about that, you know, it isn't all happy and, you know, roses after loss and surviving it. It's it's real and it's scary and there are these kind of decisions that have to be made and there's also the aftermath of that and dealing with that after processing the loss and after processing the the breaking up process and all stuff like that what is there next and I think you are such a great example of you know I know a year ago it was very different and time has helped um cliche as it is um but look where you are now look how far you've come and I think that is very inspirational for anyone who is Katie a year ago who's thinking oh god have I made the right decision by ending this relationship to see that you can be happy again you can be you know fulfilled in other ways and whilst you're not on that same page with parenthood in this moment it's coming and it will one day and you'll be the best version of yourself and that's why I wanted to come on here because I remember being on these support groups and there was just no one else in the same situation and I Mm. felt you know, like such a failure is in like, why could we not make it work? Yeah. <clears throat> You've got all these couples, you know, thousands of couples who are unfortunately on this support group and no one's ever said about the breakdown of a relationship and it just felt very isolating mm. and that I didn't really fit in that sort of community, mm. I guess. Mm. And you're trying to look for people who are grieving in on their own because it is difficult and losing that person who knows exactly what happened Mm. and you know you shared that grief in the beginning together and now you're having to kind of navigate it on your own Mm. and I just wish I had that someone who kind of understood that because people don't understand and they would make comments like oh like in a way aren't you glad that she died um before like before the relationship broke down in a way as in like saying it's better that that she's not here mm. because the relationship wasn't going to work like that. And I just think, I would have rather done it on my own and yeah, had her in my of arms. Of course. Whether and, the relationship stuck And who's to say that that sequence of events wouldn't have happened had he not gone through that grief? Yeah. You know, not saying that what he did was okay. You know, not taking sides, clearly. But we all do things as a reaction in our own process. Yeah. And if he dealt with it in that way, if she had lived, it might that, not have happened. It probably wouldn't yeah. have happened. Yeah. But we don't know these things until they happen. We don't know how human behaviour is going to change when something like that traumatic and that much, you know, grief and bereavement and just being totally bereft is going to make us go as characters and yeah. as human beings because especially at your age you're quite young you know you probably haven't had that much loss in your life yet and we're never going to lose 
you know, we're never going to understand the severity of the loss unless it's a parent or a child, aren't we? That's going to be the worst loss for us. Um, partners, of course, but that is what we're waiting to happen. But in the normal process, it usually would be a parent, wouldn't it? Because that's a normal yeah. life process and cycle. So to have this happen early on when you're still quite young, it is going to change your character and it is going to, yeah, it is going to question certain things that you didn't have to question before. Mm. So, you know, as always here, we, we've got no judgment here. That's that's the path that it took. And this is where you are now. And the, as I said earlier, the amount of growth and processing you've done and all that you do and continuing, you know, in her legacy, in her honour to support others and offer that if anyone listening to this today is where you are and where you have been and doesn't feel like they can open up to others around them or support groups and does feel ashamed or does feel just not in that space that they want to talk to people that don't understand you're more than happy for me to pass on details and for you to be their person I guess 100% um on some of these support groups I if someone does bring up that their relationship is struggling I'll always send a message and just be like Mm. you can always message me if you Mm. if you need to so yeah I'm definitely open to that and, you know, there's going to be people in these support groups that probably feel in their heart hearts that they should end their relationships. But as I was saying earlier, those scales tip the other way for them and they're yeah. more, they're, their number one priority in that moment is to get a baby. Yeah. And that relationship is obviously helping get the baby. So they will carry on and be unhappy. And, you know, equally, if there's anyone out there that feels like that, that they can reach out and there is support here if anyone's in that position. So... Thank you so much for coming on. No worries. Um, if anyone has been touched by today's episode, as always, please email me, kelly at makingmiracles.org.uk. And as I say, if anyone does want to speak to Katie, I'm more than happy to direct you to her. So email me on that same email, please. And I will put you guys in touch and you can catch up on email or have a chat or do whatever it is that you guys want to do. But, um, you know, no one's alone here. Um, relationships do sometimes come out stronger. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it makes other things happen. And uh, whatever it is and whatever side anyone's on, as in male, female, mums, dads, um, there is support here for you. So please, as always, get in touch and we can help sort that out for you. Okay, take care, everyone.